0: Welcome to the show today. We have a phenomenal guest and a really exciting episode here Right before we celebrate the prenatal deity um, entering human history in a uterus that he once knit together to redeem mankind from their sins, you know that I talk a lot about how pro-life the Christmas story is. But I wanted to dive in deep today to really pull out these incredible, beautiful pro-life themes from scripture. Of course, you wouldn't have had the term pro-life back then in the first century, but that's exactly what God is communicating, is about the value, intrinsic dignity, of human life that he creates from the moment that he creates these human beings, the moment of conception. So we're joined today by my friend, Pastor Barrington Allen. He has ministered in the greater Nashville area for well over a decade, specializing in pastoral marriage counseling. And then in 2011, Pastor Barrington and his wife launched Total Life Victory, an organization dedicated to teaching about the kingdom of God and the importance of the Hebraic foundation of the church. His love for Israel has inspired him to lead scores of pastors on governmental and spiritual tours of the Holy Land with Christians United for Israel. Pastor Barrington joins the show today to answer this question, could Christmas get any more pro-life? And walk through the powerful pro life themes in the Christmas story. Buckle up, you're in for a treat. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. <laughs> Pastor Barrington, welcome to the show, brother.
1: Glad to be here with you, Seth. You, sir, are a voice to be reckoned with in the marketplace, and I'm glad. So glad you're on our side because uh, you are definitely giving the enemy uh, what for. You're not making it easy. You're not making it easy for him. So thank you for your voice. You're a clarion voice in the kingdom of God for the unborn, and, and we need you, brother. We need you. Yeah.
0: Thank you, brother. Well, I was I was I was blessed to find how committed you've been to contending for life as well. Um, ours mm-hmm. is the typical story of. Facebook friends with lots of mutual friends, but we had never actually met before. And so our good friend, Dr. Brent Bowles, who's uh, one of the most uh, rebooked guests on this show, uh, pro-life OBGYN, connected us. And so I -hmm. wanted to do this for some time, really diving into the Christmas story and bringing in someone who has that knowledge of um, the first century, and of the, of the Greek, and of the Hebrew, and of the prophecies, and of the references to the Old Testament, um, and so I'm excited to dive into that with you, but firstly, uh, give us a little bit of a background about you, um, and how, you know, let's, we don't want to do too long of a bio, because your story is actually too, ex- <clears throat> too exciting for us to spend the whole time on, uh, but uh, familiarize our listeners with yourself a little bit, um, how God has used you as a pastor in your heart for life.
1: Well, first and foremost, uh, to me, life is a high kingdom business area, and we'll be d- diving into that uh, in a moment. Uh, I've been pastoring in Nashville, I get like you mentioned in the bio, for uh, over a decade. I uh, initially came to this city um, doing Christian music. I was assigned a signed, uh, Christian recording artist uh, to uh, Goatee Records back in the day in the mid-90s. As a matter of fact, I was the only Jamaican in a Christian reggae group, (laughs) if you can imagine that, if you can imagine that. So uh, in essence, um, I've been excited about the pro-life movement because when my son came into the world, I, I quickly realized there is something going on here more than just a child coming into the world. There is a process that is divine, and that captured my attention over 30 years ago. So I've been in the pro life movement uh, for 30 years, working in various capacities, but as a pastor, uh, leading my congregation to abortion clinics where whereby we would stand and sidewalk counsel uh, help women get to other wow. services uh, so it wasn't just an issue of just hey abortion is wrong baby killing is wrong no let's let's take it to the streets and remind people that this is happening on our watch as believers and so when I discovered your voice in this matter uh, you you pull no punches. And you definitely make it very clear that what we are doing here in the United States of America has consequences, and uh, they're long-lasting.
0: That's right. That's right. And it's also nothing new. Isn't that right, (laughs) Pastor Barrington? The the killing of babies to accrue political power or to maintain political power? Um, is nothing new. And the Christmas story has a lot of those elements, unfortunately. Um, But, Mm -hmm. you know, you're a man among men, uh, Barrington. It is difficult to even get a pastor to preach a pro-life sermon once a year. And when a pastor does preach a pro-life sermon once a year at Sanctity of Life Sunday that that Reagan made official, um, everyone (laughs) celebrates him as this great Um, sort of mammoth of a man who's leading the way in how pastors should engage abortion, to which I say, pathetic. So you prepared one sermon once a year on abortion? That's your litmus test for for how pro life you are? So, amazing. uh,
1: Once a month, we had our people at a clinic here in Nashville. Once a month. They would gather. And we also had uh, those who had political power in the city come to my church and make their voice known regarding certain legislation we got passed. And wow. uh, s- such a powerful piece of pe- legislation, a part of which Brent Bowles uh, is definitely affixed, uh, that legislation led to the shutting down of a clinic because they couldn't get their act together to retrofit their facility to right. handle a gurney. Yeah, Can you yeah, imagine yeah. that? <laughs> a gurney. So, so-called clinic can't handle right, right. a gurney. So when they could not get their... Their their construction issues together regarding that they were shut down. Glad to have it. At this point, I'm not about gradualism when it comes to baby killing. I want it gone. I, I I want it gone. And this story that we're about to get into is like I said earlier about High Kingdom business we need to take a thirty thousand foot view regarding no, this topic it. before we kind of land the plane in the manger okay
0: i love it <laughs> so there, I are, love it.
1: There, there are three high kingdom business areas and, and the reason why i call them high kingdom business is because we are in a kingdom long before the lord created the church He has had his kingdom long before the lord even created israel he has had his kingdom. And there are high kingdom business areas that are tantamount to him regarding civilization. Number one, and I'm not dogmatic about a lot of things, Seth, but about these three things, yes, here's one. Here's why. Number one, high kingdom business area number one, the sanctity of human life. Period. Number one That's above right. the other two areas I'm about to get into. Here's why I know it's number one God made a man. And where'd he put him? Put him in a garden. That's God-defining life. So high kingdom business area to the Lord, to our king, the sanctity of human life. Number two, marriage. Right after he gave that man, made that man and put him in a garden, he gave that man a woman. He gave him a wife. That's God-defining marriage. So that's high kingdom business area number two. Because without marriage, you can't replicate one that's right you need you need marriage to 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 reproduce the image of god on the planet and then when god's point man adam fell that necessitated high kingdom business area number three because god needed an individual through whose family he would step into and show up within humanity to redeem the bloodline that we are all connected to by one blood, which is the blood of Adam and Eve. So when Adam fell, it necessitated the king of heaven himself, Jesus Christ, stepping off of his throne, stepping into humanity to redeem the bloodline. And that is why God created Israel. He tapped Abram on the shoulder and said, hey, you're my first Hebrew, I'm coming through you. You're going to help me redeem this planet because I'm going to give you descendants that outnumber the sand on the seashore and the stars in heaven. You're going to have two a a dichotomy of two descendants, spiritual ones and your earthly ones. And I'm coming through you. That's why Abraham was excited. So in John 8, when we see Jesus telling the Pharisees, hey, Abraham saw my day and was was glad. Of course he was glad. He didn't have a Bible, but he had a high-definition vision from the Lord that told him everything, and I would even contend told him everything from Genesis to Revelation. What? You're going to sit on a throne coming through me and my people? Where do I go? Right. How, do, right. how do I get there? As Earl of Chaldees, go over there and get over there, and, then, and I'll tell you more when you get over there. That's right. And it's those are the three areas. And interestingly, Seth, the story of Mary and her circumstances touches all three areas, all mm. of them. Wow. So it's not just high. This is not just high kingdom business. This is special ops high kingdom business. <laughs> this is special ops within high kingdom business. Because oh her story touches all three areas: sanctity of human life. She was getting married to a guy named Joseph, and she is carrying the Redeemer of the planet. You think Satan? <laughs> you think Satan wants anything to do with that? Absolutely <laughs> not. So wow. that's the 30,000-foot that's the view. Now, when we go back to the wow. garden, we see some, a, a sentencing of sorts. We see the king of heaven doling out sentences to all the players in the fall. The woman, the man, and the serpent. The woman, he, she, he, To her, he says, hey, you're going to have pain and childbearing. That's right. Then he says something very interesting. The seed of the woman will crush your head. That's right. And who's the seed? Who's the seed of the woman? Well, that's Yeshua, Jesus the Christ Himself. Wow. That seed is going to wind up crushing Satan's head, and, and he ultimately did on the cross, rose from the dead, uh, and 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 basically opened the floodgates for all of us to be redeemed and wow. saved. Now, wow. when Satan heard those words. He said, okay, I'm going to make sure this seed didn't show up. Mm. Now, uh, you won't see that in the text, but the scriptures are about line upon line, precept upon precept. You have to find these nuggets in the word. So here's a nugget. (laughs) Satan does not want this redemption story to happen. He does not want this seed of the woman to show up. So, of course, now we know that Satan observes people he observes circumstances and he's watching what God is doing. He's not omniscient. He does not right. share God's attribute of omniscience. So he's got to, he's got to piece things together. <laughs> he has to piece them together. So he sees the God of, it, of heaven uh, talking to Abram. He said, oh, okay. So this people group is going to produce this seed of the woman. Well, I'm just going to take care of them. I, I don't want them to live. Enter the six major world empires. Six major world empires. And before I tell you which ones they are, we have to get familiar with First Chron. This is an obscure passage, Seth, that I'm about to tell you. I can't, if, if you're going to walk on the street and hold a microphone in someone's face and say, hey, you ever heard of First Chronicles 21.1? I'll go, Corinthians? No, no, go back a few books. <laughs> go back a few books. <laughs> no. Chronicles. First Chronicles 21. 1 Chronicles 21.1. Here's what it says. Now Satan... Fighting against Israel, whoa! Why would Satan fight Israel? Because the seed of the woman's coming through her. That's why. Fighting against Israel provoked King David to number the people. Now, that whole, the context there is David wasn't supposed to number the people. He was supposed to rely on the Lord and God taking care of them and not having to worry about military prowess or anything of that sort. But he did it anyway. And it cost them some grief. But the the, the the intricacies of the passage reveal a couple of things. Number one, it reveals that Satan is fighting actively Israel. And that it is it is not an allegorical enemy. It's a real enemy. It's the same wow. enemy that, that got a hold of Eve. Okay? yeah. The same enemy. It's the same enemy that is coming after you and me. Through his henchmen, because a third of heaven fell with Satan. So right. Satan is not allegorical. He's not metaphorical. He's real. That's He's right. real and renamed by God. So he is fighting Israel because of the redemption story that Israel represents. And how is he doing it? And, and here's the other nugget within that passage. He's using heads of state, including Israel's own head of state, to fight Israel. So apparently, Satan's modus operandi on the planet is to use heads of state to fight Israel. Why Israel? Because Israel represents God's redemption, not only for Jews... But in the future but That's for right. all of us and he does That's not right. want that story to be played out so six major wow. world empires egypt did he use the egyptians to try to, to stop the the, the <laughs> seed of the woman absolutely he threw right. this is when the baby killing started the the, the right. idea to kill the babies the 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 catalyst of that was in genesis as soon as god said seed of the woman oh i'm going to kill some babies i'm going to wow. kill some babies I'm gonna kill some babies. That seed, of, I'm after that, I'm after that. Egypt killed some babies there. The Assyrians had their way with the Jews. Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, we know their story with the uh, with the exile of the Jews. Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, the Persians, the Greeks, and then the Romans. Now the seed of the woman shows up. Look, through, every, uh, through all the previous five world empires, he's been trying to get rid of Israel. And he's still trying the seed of the woman has come and gone and is coming again but now it's all about i got to get rid of israel because the longer israel exists the more it declares there is a god and he keeps his provinces that's why i got the seal of the seal of jerusalem behind me to remind me that's where the king is coming our king is not metaphorical either he's not allegorical either the kingdom of god is a real thing a real government and, and nowadays, we kind of remind ourselves of that when we sing, For unto us a child is born, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. You and I and all of us who are listening right now who love the King of Heaven, Jesus Christ, Yeshua, his Hebrew name, we are in a government. That's You're right. a part of a government. <laughs> it's not just the church. The church is a part of the government of God and the person coming back is not a president he's a king <laughs> he's a king and and the magi treated him as such as we get there so the enemy has tried to use five previous world empires trying to get rid of the seed of the woman including but just before the romans the greeks and the greeks tried to get rid of israel by by essentially forbidding them to pray in god's name forbidding them to worship the lord and the maccabees said no we're not doing that yeah we're not doing that and that's that's how hanukkah came into being and without hanukkah you really don't have christmas so the enemy has been trying to get rid of this the seed of the woman and their people group and the lord and it's interesting why would god choose the roman empire to get this done Now, the Roman Empire was a fascinating empire because not only the Pax Romana that that lasted so long, you know, from 27 B.C. up until about 100 A.D. or so, the Pax Romana was that relative time of peace. But the Roman Empire built a system of roads that got the word out regarding the gospel of the kingdom quickly when Paul got a hold of it. Wow. So the so the king of the universe shows up during a time when the word can get out quickly. Quite similar to when Martin Luther showed up in Gutenberg, you know, near Gutenberg. Right. During the invention (laughs) of the Gutenberg press. So that the word can get out. Our God is a God of time. Because there are a lot of other priests throughout the Roman Catholic World, uh, there were priests in France, priests in Italy, priests in, in in what we now know as London and and, and such. But uh, the Gutenberg press was in Germany, so the God was saying, you know, I need a German priest here that I can get a hold of. Ah, you, you, you. Faith without works is dead. You know, we, we're saved by grace through faith. You got that? Yes, yeah, I, I got it. Now write that down and get it over to that guy with the Gutenberg press. Get it to him that's the thing we have to do now in 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 essence when when things of that sort take place i am back i'm back When, when things of that sort take place we have to pay attention to god's timing it's his timing that lets us know he's at work and because you are doing what you're doing and i'm doing what i'm doing we're doing it within his timing so, the seed of the woman shows up during the Roman Empire, and God picks a woman. He picks a woman who is from the tribe of Judah, because that is a promise that God is keeping with David. Now, if Saul wow. didn't mess up when he messed up, it would probably have been a Benjamite woman. <laughs> but because <laughs> the Lord. <laughs> but, but, wow. but Benjamin is still connected to the story, and, and we'll get to that in a moment. So for unto us a child is born. We have the angel showing up. He says to her the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. The Holy Spirit is going to overpower you. Right. And what does that mean? That the spirit of the Lord is going to somehow cause the immaculate conception right and she is with child now we see this in in greek because the new testament is written in greek but the hebrew word for child is absolutely fascinating fascinating mm. now i truly believe that the first language was was hebrew because of the word the simple word hallelujah hallelujah shows up in every language every language and it means the same thing and it's a hebrew word so when god confused the languages of Babel. I think he left his (laughs) fingerprint with one word for all languages. Hallelujah. And it means the same thing. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So now, with Hebrew, it's three things. It's a pictorial language. It's numeric. And it's a language. So the words have meaning. But the pictorial part of it, ancient Hebrew was chiseled out. That's why it goes from left to right, because most people hammer with their right hand and they hammer this way. That's why you read Hebrew from left, uh, from right to left. Wow. So they chiseled out these pictures, like the the word for, or the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet is Aleph. And when it was originally chiseled out in the Paleo-Hebrew, it it looked like an ox head. It it had, Mm. you know, the the ox like that, and then the crossbars would represent like the horns so if you turn that upside down on its point, you got the letter A. Or you turn it upside down that way like so, there's where our letter A comes from. So it was pictorial. So what is the word for child in Hebrew? It's harar, harar. It's spelled, it's spelled uh, hey, reish, hey. Now the hey, when it was chiseled out, the picture was behold. It meant to, wow, look at that, that's stunning. The race, when it was chiseled out, it, it represented a person, uh, the head yeah. of a person, or just a person in general. And then again, it ends with the letter hey. So hey, race, hey, which in and of itself, the word harar means child. All right, we got that. It means a kid, it means a child. Right. But the picture of the letters of harar, that's fascinating. Hmm. In essence, pictorially, it's saying, behold, a person is here. Behold, it's like two neon signs going person, 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 <laughs> person. This is a person that's what's going on. In the Just in the picture of the, of wow. the, of the characters of the word. Wow. So not only does the plain word and its definition tell us, OK, it's a child. But pictorially, it's also telling us this is a human being, which is why it's vitally important for us to get personhood to the womb at the point of conception, not just a heartbeat in six weeks, at the point of conception, that last point, when 23 from mom, 23 from dad come together, poof, that is a person, that's a person.
0: So 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 Barrington, when when the angel tells Mary, uh, you you will be with child, you shall give birth to a son, uh, and Mm -hmm. you shall call his name Jesus, um, mm-hmm. you're saying that that's everything that's going on with the culture and the language and the pictorial expressions in the Hebrew. Mm-hmm. This is saying person, child, yeah. human being. Human being. Wow.
1: Human being. And again, you can't get any more pro-life than that. You can't. <laughs> so this, this, this process of conception, gestation, birth, that's a holy process. Wow. It is holy. Holy. Now, the king of heaven could do whatever he wants, whatever he wants, whenever he wants. <laughs> he spoke the world into existence. Could he have shown up in the Roman Empire, full-grown man, 30 years old? He could have done that. Right. He could have done that. Mm-hmm. But instead, he chose a process that he really, really reveres. And wow. I say that intentionally, reveres. Because he said... He said, you know, the psalmist David said, you know, I was fearfully and wonderfully made. Why would why would David say that God made right. him fearfully? Right. Because the divine is on him. Hmm. And the divine always deserves reverence, even okay. from the divine. You you look like me. Hello, Seth. God wow. actually looks at every human being and goes, Good day. You you bear my you bear my image. That's right. That's why God made David fearfully. He's like, oh, I'm making I'm making a little representation of me. Ooh, look at that. (laughs) God, He's not slapping things together. That's right. He's making He he makes the human with intention. Mm. Everything else He spoke to, in terms of the creation week, He spoke to everything else, and they came into being. When it came to humanity, He actually touched it with His hands. He formed man with his hands, so this process is holy. Now she's pregnant and not married. Pregnant wow. and not married. Let that's me tell right. you, Seth. In Hebrew culture, that's a big no-no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a big no-no. But she's and betrayed.
0: Mary. Mary was probably a teenager. Is that right?
1: Oh Very yeah, likely. Well, without question, she was a young lady, virgin. Uh, young lady, virgin. And you know, if you take the, if you were to airlift that story and, and take it forward two thousand years, two thousand twenty-one years, and drop it right now, oh, she's a prime candidate for an abortion.
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, I've always a, said, Barrington, exactly. that that Mary checks all of the Planned Parenthood prospect
1: check boxes. <laughs> prime candidate for 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 unplanned parenthood. I mean, they're, they're not even planned parenthood anyway. Don't get me started on that, that <laughs> misnomer. <laughs> that's right. Anyway. Uh, she's a prime candidate uh, for that. Now, here's what would have. Now, you see, it, since, since Satan is after the seed of the woman, uh, there's one particular way he definitely wants to get it done. But he, I, I, I would imagine, he was hoping, the enemy was hoping, that Joseph would not put her away quietly, hmm. which would have resulted in her death and the death of the child.
0: Wow, because talk about that to, more. Uh, That's right. Yeah.
1: See, according to, uh, according to law, she was a person pregnant, out of wedlock, that's promiscuity. And according to the law in Deuteronomy, you need to be stoned. You need to be brought to the elders and stoned to death. Promiscuity, sentence, stoning. We saw that with the woman caught in adultery. Right. She was gonna get stoned. Right. How much more this little young girl, pregnant, Joseph finds out, and Joseph had to get a dream, and he did. Right. And he and he did not put her away. He said, "I'm I'm I'm going to marry you because there's right. something divine going on here." That's so, right. So and yes, that that's
0: plan- what many that's what many men do today, right? Is is mm-hmm. they they put away their family quietly. You know, they take they drive their girl to the abortion center to quietly get rid of their child or they abandon her and peace out and never show up again. They, they, they do the opposite of what Joseph did and what Joseph had intended to do. He intended yeah, to put her away key. quietly.
1: That's the key, and the parallel there that, you, that you're drawing is excellent, that the initial jump on the situation is, oh, I, I gotta get rid of this, uh, right. I, I gotta get rid of this, and guys do that to this day. That's why we can't over-spiritualize These things, Joseph, Mary's betrothed husband, betrothed husband to be. He's not. He's unlike. He's not unlike any other guy. That's right. I gotta get rid of this. I got a problem on my hands. Yeah. She's pregnant. I clearly don't remember going there
0: with her. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> not my kid. That's right. And yet Joseph mans up and he mans embraces up. an unplanned pregnancy for a child mm-hmm. that he did not father. Now, unplanned for him. But really what we're talking about today, Barrington, aren't we, is we're talking about the most planned pregnancy in human
1: history. <laughs> of all, of all of this special ops high kingdom business enterprise here so so how does Joseph how
0: does Joseph respond and how does God work through Joseph and through this dream in this Christmas story uh, to say it's time to go it's time to man up
1: well he just basically tells him I'm involved here take care of her and he does because the scriptures say in Matthew that he was a man who revered the law he had such respect for the law and and that's not to be you know legalistic he just had respect for God's word, and God's ways. So now, how else? Now, now he, he takes the child of Egypt, and the Lord. Now that's ironic because Egypt is where uh, Hebrews died, but now hmm. God is saying, "Look how the Lord can redeem all situations." I'm going to take yeah. the most importance, the most important plan in my in in my hands as king. I'm going to take that and put it in Egypt, where. Hebrews died. That's actually a, a checkbox to, we're okay, Egypt. It's redeemed. Uh, wow. We should all have that kind of hope in our lives. So he takes wow. the Lord's, after they're married, he takes the child uh, to Egypt and the child is protected. But Herod getting visited by Magi who are looking for this child. Uh, now the, the enemy's looking for the child too now if you remember first chronicles 21 1 like we talked about satan uses heads of state or political figures who will do his bidding now the text does not say i want to be clear the text does not say that satan was directly involved but because we have the obvious issue in first chronicles that sets precedent oh we have a situation here where the enemy is trying to kill Jews and using a head of state to do it, even if that head of state was Israel was King David himself. Wow. Herod was a wicked man. That's right. He was, he was a megalomaniac kind of guy. Psychotic, yeah. neurotic. yeah I mean you want to, here, here's a quick story about Herod. So Mark Anthony and Octavius get into a little civil war. And Herod, pick, Herod picks Mark Anthony. And Mark Anthony loses to Octavius. And Herod quickly, who, he, Octavius, I'm on your side. And he convinces Octavius. And Octavius places him in the spot of being the leader of Judea, the Judean province. And he, Herod, is referred to as, get this, the king of the Jews. <laughs> so, so Herod being wow. a political animal does not want that power seat taken i mean herod was so full of himself and it even showed up in his architecture he built he built masada he's the one who built masada and and his his fingerprint on architecture throughout israel is there and it's always grand but he was jealous of anyone who would seek to go after his power so That's when the right. magi come to him and say, Hey, we're looking for the king. Well, king? king? What king? What king? What are you talking about? Or, you know, in your scriptures. Now well, these Magi's came from the east. How'd they find right. out? I would su- I would suspect Daniel. Daniel's yeah. teaching, because Daniel stayed there for two kings in Persia. He That's stayed right. there for two. So unpack I would that suspect- for us.
0: Unpack the Daniel yeah, I, part for us.
1: Well, well, the Hebrews were taken into captivity by the Babylonians, and that scooped up Daniel when he was a kid. Nebuchadnezzar dies, his son takes over, and Daniel's an old man now. He's still there. And and he is in a high political position there. And please, your listeners, I know, they have no problem getting politically engaged. But if if there's anyone squeamish out there about, ah, I don't want to get involved in politics, I don't think we can have influence like that and we shouldn't be involved, then you're going to have a problem with Daniel, you're going to have a problem with Nehemiah, you're going to have a problem with Paul, who stood in front of political yeah, yeah. figures, you're going to have a problem with Jesus, who stood in front of Pilate. I mean... And they yeah, all had something a, to say.
0: That's Speak truth motor, to power. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So, so so Daniel, uh, I would he was a student of the word, and I would suspect somehow these Persian Magi found out that okay, something big is happening, the king of the universe is coming, and we're gonna go look for him. And and they went after the star looking at astrology, and it worked. And they it, it led them straight to Jesus over the house. Now, the Magi did not show up in the manger. I know we put those two things together. He he came later. The the shepherds were in the manger. The Magi found Jesus in a house. And and Herod was like, okay.
0: That's right, because with Herod, we know his motivation. (laughs) was to protect his own political power in office. Without question, you know, how Without question. You know, how, how dare this child that's ordained to be king over Israel mm-hmm. dethrone mm-hmm. me in my position of power? And so think about this. Jesus's existence begins with politicians killing babies to maintain political power. And oh my goodness. It, is, is, is that not a have, have perfect them. description of our current political Absolutely. climate and the political climate we've been in for 49 years next month with nearly 50 years of Roe versus Wade. Politicians killing babies, protecting the institution of killing babies to maintain political power. And for, for example, you, can't, you cannot become a senator in today's Democrat party unless you're in Joe Manchin's district. And be pro-life, and and Joe Manchin <laughs> yeah, is like very squishy on pro-life, right? I mean, you are not welcomed in today's Democrat mm-hmm. Party. You will not obtain big political power if you don't support killing babies. If you Fund don't walk it, the party line, that's right, run on the platform, and 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 make sure that your percentage approval ratings from Narol and Planned Parenthood are super high. Um, and, mm-hmm. and so, abortion really is sort of the the centerpiece of secular progressivism, I would say that the entire liberal establishment is actually built on the mutilated, aborted uh, bodies of 65 million children. It's how they prop up their political regime. Without abortion, they can't pull off the rest of their political projects because abortion denies the the foundational premises of this republic, that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that we're endowed by our creator with these rights, and among these are, firstly, life. Because if you don't get the Mm. right to life right, you won't get any other rights right. And so, that's right. This obsession with killing babies, this obsession with killing babies to maintain political power goes all the way back Mm -hmm. to Herod. Wild.
1: And and even further back to uh, Pharaoh in Egypt. Uh, He wanted to maintain power as well. And he threw babies in the Nile. He he, he threw them in the Nile. So, uh, wicked politicians and baby killing is about four to five thousand years old (laughs) and and it is it's a wicked premise and who is behind it so let's take the the view even higher we have spiritual forces that are using political power to get this done sometimes unbeknownst to them and why do i say that because the scriptures do not indicate that david even knew he was provoked by satan but we know it does happen we know it can happen and i would not be surprised if if the enemy of our soul satan was behind herod provoking him find this child find these find this child and kill it that's why he went to two years of age because that's about the age christ was when the magi found him and they came with a kingly concept in mind they came to worship a king the baby is a king. So, for unto us a child is born. This is Isaiah 9. This is 700 years before Yeshua showed up, before Christ showed up. Right. 700 years. So, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And we shall call his name Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince. That's a That's an, an homage to royalty. Hmm. And these magi knew, okay, this is royalty showing up this is royalty and they treated him as such gold frankincense and myrrh offering wow. we say three magi because we had three gifts we really don't know the number of magi but we ascribe right. three because they had three gifts right. and when when herod gets this information from them that royalty is coming and he's going to be the king or well, i'm king here No, nope, no one needs to be king but me so mm-hmm. then he goes after the kids and political power uses baby killing and i love the fact you say baby killing and we're so That's numb right. to the word abortion that we don't even realize it's the systematic dismemberment of a human being inside its mother's womb, inside exactly. his mother's womb. So Herod's game was to abort the mission, this special ops mission that is high kingdom business oriented. Satan is about, we're going to abort this mission. And right. it didn't work because God sent the Magi away through a, a different route and The child lives. Joseph then takes the child to Egypt. Joseph then gets another dream. Herod's dead. That's around 4 BC-ish or so. Herod is dead, and they bring the child back. And now we got a new Herod, Herod Antipas. Now, this is the Herod that is going to be alive when Jesus now grows up and becomes a man and is dealing with Pilate. Is the Christmas story... Uh, A super pro-life story. Oh yes. Oh yeah. It's 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 special ops in the kingdom of God, brother. That's right. Yeah, that's amazing. Special
0: Um, ops. Hey, brother, have you have you heard about um, the the timing regarding when people believe Christ was actually conceived and actually born? I've done some study on this myself. Um, If you have, I'd love to hear your thoughts. It was um, December. <laughs> so, so what? The, yes, correct. What what I have heard is that um, based on the time that Zechariah was serving uh, as, in the as temple, a high priest, that's right. Um, I from what and now again, I'm not a Bible scholar. I'm not a pastor, but I, mm-hmm. I, I try to do my due diligence and study. And you are what well I have read, Seth, you are well <laughs> thank read. Thank you, brother. What I have found. Um, is is fairly popular consensus, brother, among scholars, is that based off of the time that Zechariah was um, serving in the temple, based off of the time that that likely John was conceived in Elizabeth's womb, right? And then based off Mm -hmm. of the difference in gestation between the prenatal John the Baptist and the prenatal Christ, um, it's likely that Christ was conceived right around December 25th. Conceived. And then born.
1: Born, uh, yeah. Right.
0: Right, yeah. so whatever, nine, nine months after that is. Have you yeah, heard that before? that would before
1: be that? Tabernacles. That would be in yeah. Tabernacles. Around right. the time of Tabernacles. So the conception, we can, there, there can be a nod to the, the latter half of uh, the, the Gregorian year, but that would actually be like month nine or so. Uh, on the the civil calendar of of God versus the biblical calendar. right. So that that is just, obviously we're not gonna be dogmatic about it, but that's interesting that we're celebrating his birth around the time that he's probably actually conceived around this time. But either way, we've got life.
0: (laughs) Right, and isn't that beautiful though? Because uh,
1: if that's that's accurate,
0: what we're celebrating at Christmas as Christians um, is actually when Christ becomes human not when he's Mm -hmm. born. That's a powerful word. We're celebrating where there is life, when there is life, from the moment there is life, and Christ Mm -hmm. entering human history in a womb, forever declaring that location to be sacred. And if Christ is the fully God-man at the moment of conception, then every human being is fully valuable at the moment of conception because they're created in his image. So let's go back really quick, Barrington, speaking about unborn children and the divine Christ in the womb. Um, We can't end this episode without talking about Mary and Elizabeth meeting and the, 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 the first person to recognize the divinity of Jesus was an unborn child. John the Baptist, who I often say Leaping. in my sermons, is being knit together in the womb by the prenatal Christ, who's in the same room, because the prenatal Christ is God and is therefore knitting John the Baptist together in the womb while they're both in the womb. Poof! Incarnation, right?
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness. That is that is a beautiful moment when the baby does leap in the womb, and, and by action, I think we need to leap out of our pews and get over to clinics <laughs> and Whoa. celebrate.
0: Right. Celebrate life.
1: We need to. That's we need right. to act accordingly. It's a quickening. Uh, that That's quickening right. is telling us, telling the world a message. If the baby in the womb has enough sense to recognize Christ Jesus, how much more we, right. who have received His blood for salvation, should have. And I don't want to come down on my. You know, beat the sheep. Don't do that. You know, we want to encourage. <laughs> But if a little child in the womb, John the Baptist, can recognize there's life over there, that's that's life. That's the King of Heaven. He's here. That's right. We should we should leap out of our pews and and get down yeah. to the place where where that's death right. is taking place on our watches, believers, that's so that right. we would stand in the way and and rescue those who are being led led to slaughter. That's uh, right. th- that is a, that's a message of pro life. That that uh, it, it just. Boggles the mind. That's right. That's at that right. moment, well, what's, what's you know, going brother,
0: on? You know, Advent means means coming, right? Christ is coming, mm-hmm. right? Uh, mm-hmm. And 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 so in this season of Advent, and here we are, just you know, two days out from from Christmas, but ad, during the season of Advent, we also prepare our hearts, right? We're supposed to be right. about our Father's business. So there's this relationship right. between the coming of Christ and the positioning and response of the church to be about our Father's business. It doesn't mean that we sit and watch Netflix and Hallmark movies in preparing <laughs> for the coming of Christ. No, we're actually actively involved in preparing to welcome Christ. And so you have this attack against the prenatal baby Jesus. You have his parents, Joseph, who is stepping up as an adoptive father for a baby that he didn't conceive and, and exercising masculine responsibility to be a protector and a provider. They together are actively preparing to welcome and protect this unborn child. If only the church today and the woke cowards who have syncretized their faith with pagan ideologies would be as much in preparing for the welcoming of every unborn child created in Christ's image as Mary and Joseph were as people 40 years younger than most of our woke cowardly pastors were in preparing to welcome and protect that unborn child. And so, On that note, Barrington.
1: I need need an offering basket now.
0: Now! On that that note, Barrington, let me let me let me ask you this. Um, what does this Christmas message mean for our responsibilities today?
1: Well, again, the conception to birth process is so holy, and we need to regard it as such and take our cues from those in the scriptures who recognize the unborn. We need to take our cues from that and go after this wicked, egregious thing that's taking place in our land. Friend, as you know, we have oceans of innocent blood on our hands. Oceans. All right, we know that the population, it's estimated it was about a thousand people, a thousand people or so in Jerusalem or in Bethlehem when Bethlehem, yeah. Herod sent the troops out, out there, so to speak, to take care of those boys and, and kill them. And roughly maybe 20 or so passed, but the, that 20 sparked a prophecy. Mm-hmm. And it's about Rachel. Okay. And, and and the scriptures say that Rachel from Rama, you'll be able to hear her crying. Why Rama? Because Rama became this, it's a city within the, within the territory of Benjamin, which is her son. Wow. Th- that's why. So it's people from Rama who are Benjamites. Here now, Rachel was buried in Bethlehem, near Bethlehem. Her tomb is there. So it's the people in Ramah hear the, the, the wailing from Rachel, and it's wow. because fellow Hebrews are dying at the hands of Herod's sword, right. and, and that is that. That's just yet another a, an area of a, an area of of pathos. So that prophecy from Jeremiah clearly shows us. That you know, we need to we need to respond similarly. We have oceans of innocent blood on our hands, That's and right. that it, since we give we give Hitler grief for killing six million people, and, and rightly so, we as a country have ten xed Hitler. That's right, ten x. Yeah, yeah. and right. and we we need not look at that in, in a cavalier manner. Yeah. So yeah. if she's, and if, if my point regarding bringing up Rachel was, if. If, if it's only 20 people, and 20 yeah. is enough, one yeah. would be enough. The death of 20 in Bethlehem sparked a prophecy before it even happened that the Lord would reference the death of them, mm. and 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 put that in time immortal in the scriptures in Jeremiah. Wow. So, what what do you think the Lord would say about 65 million? Yeah. 65 million! Uh, our king is watching the church right now, and and, and we, the blood is crying out still. That's the blood right. is still yeah. crying out. Well, you know, in
0: Psalm uh, 106, mm-hmm. uh, God is talking to the Israelites, um, and there's a passage in Psalm 106 about their complicity with child sacrifice. And, mm. and God tells the Israelites, You have sacrificed your sons and daughters to demons. The land is desecrated with blood, desecrated with blood. And so I give you over, I give you over to be ruled by those who hate you. In other words, the ground is so soaked with blood, you're so complicit in the sacrifice of your babies to Moloch that I'm leaving the building, I'm done. I give you over to be ruled by those who hate you. The church today is already under mm-hmm. the judgment of God for abortion. We are literally being ruled by people ruled who hate Christians, who, do it. who hate the church. Um, mm-hmm. And it's because of our complicity in abortion today. The land is desecrated with blood. We've been walking mm-hmm. in it so long, we don't recognize our shoes are soaked red. And we have become accustomed to. And we have been mm-hmm. apathetic towards this great slaughter of children. If, if the blood of uh, righteous Abel was crying out to God from the ground for justice then how much more is the blood of 63 million children crying out to God now? The, the sound the more, in short must be deafening more. and, and yet, yeah, brother Walt well,
1: well, yeah go ahead no, no nation no nation on the planet has got including Israel has gotten away with doing what we are currently doing Every civilization pays a price for killing babies. There's not a one. And again, including Israel. And God dealt with them seriously twice. Here's proof point to what you just said about, I'm going to turn you over to your enemies. Judges 6 opens up with uh, the Midianites oppressing the Israelites for seven years. No kings yet. This is Judges oppressing them for seven years. And what the Midianites were doing is, okay, you guys grow it. We're gonna come and take it. I call that Midianite socialism. You grow it, we're gonna take it. <laughs> we're gonna take it. Uh, Midianite communism is we own everything. You don't even. even it's all ours. But yeah. socialism is the 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 veneer of we're gonna give make you think you own it, but we're still coming after it. That's right. So they were uh, they were in, in, engaged in tax evasion so to speak uh, they were taking their crops and hiding out in, in caves so now nah, we're not gonna let these midianites take our stuff and the lord shows up to gideon and says to gideon gideon you mighty man of valor you mighty man of valor now people don't realize this but gideon if you go back to that passage you will clearly see gideon got in god's face i said where have you been why Why are you treating us like this? Why don't you do for us what you did for the Israelites when they came out of Egypt? Why are you doing this to us? Now, the Lord did not chide him for Gideon taking that posture. As a matter of fact, he said, you mighty man. This is why I'm picking you, because only you would get in my face. <laughs> so, so here's what I want you to do, Gideon. Here's what we're going to do. These Midianites are here for a reason. And here's what we're going to do. Now, at that moment, Gideon probably thought he was going to hear some mighty military strategy to deal with the Gideonites. But the first thing God addressed with Gideon was, here's what we're going to do to solve this problem. Mm -hmm. You are going to go to your house, and you're going to tear down this wicked altar of Baal. You're going to chop up this Asherah pole, and I want you to burn it on the altar of Baal. Why? The Asherah pole represented fertility worship and i want to be delicate here but they engaged in illicit sexual activity which produced an unwanted child which then they would take that child over to Molech and burn the child alive that's what was going on and israel was doing it and and that's why the midianites were there and and the midianites were, were wicked so gideon's first assignment stop the baby killing that's your first dissonance. That's right. Stop the baby killing. And once you do that, then we'll deal with your enemy. But for now, right. the first thing, the first order of business for me, because I'm high kingdom business oriented, our God is, the, my first order of business, you need to stop your baby killing right now.
0: Wow, brother. And that's wow. the message to the church. Wow. I have never put it in that way. I so appreciate that, brother. You, you bless us. Uh, I, I say something like this, that um, if, if you want to save America, and you want to maintain the freedom to preach the gospel um, without mm-hmm. persecution in America, you're not going to secure the blessings of liberty as long as abortion remains the status quo in this way. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Uh, we need so, to get it and, off the books. Yeah,
0: yeah we've been, um, we've been uh, sowing bloodshed in the womb, and now we're reaping it in the streets. Um, and yet, you know, well, while, 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 while pro-life Christians today, rather, like you and me, we recognize— that our celebration of the preborn Christ requires our protection of every preborn baby created in the image of the prenatal Christ. But because more and more. He needs, because he chose that process. That's right. But more and more progressive Christians today are, are in the business of abandoning the preborn at the ballot box. These woke Christians insist that their obedience no, to the Great Commission and loving neighbor doesn't allow them to vote for a, a sinful president who is literally, was saving image bearers from dismemberment. And what they forget is that you cannot tell your neighbor you love them, but that it also should be legal to kill them. And so let me be clear. Let me make this word to our progressive brothers and sisters. My listeners can go tweet this. If you voted for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and claim the name of Christ, your Christmas worship may not be to the real Christ, but rather one created in your image. You cannot celebrate advent and prepare to welcome the prenatal Christ from womb to world while voting to murder babies created in his image in the same location. You cannot prepare to celebrate the six inch journey of our savior from Mary's womb to her arms while refusing, refusing to vote to help end the genocide of babies our savior knit together. Also what, <laughs> also that you don't harm your Christian witness so that your leftist friends will still like you because if you voted for Trump, they won't like you. What hubris, what pride. And so I guess what oh, I would finish with brother is that, is that for the Christians who celebrate Christmas and in this season of Advent, you better be about the business of protecting preborn children. And you better be doing what you can with what God has given you to end this genocide. Because if you don't, or worse yet, you vote for the people who lynch your neighbors in the womb, then you don't know what Christmas is, brothers and sisters. You have created a Christmas and therefore a Christ in your own image.
1: Own image. And that's idolatry. And that's That's idolatry. And the Lord comes to end that. And you mentioned Trump and people were so up in arms about his behavior, this, that, and the other. And um, a true confessions, I was like, mm, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not, not too sure. Then when he drove a stake in the ground and said, we're going to protect the unborn, I went, oh, Lord, he works for you. He, OK, Th- this I've never seen. And I right. became a huge Trump fan after that and did some investigation and come to find out uh, Trump was a lot like Jehu. Hugh who tore down the altars of Baal in the Northern Kingdom of Israel and took care of summarily Jezebel, who was a Baal priestess. Uh, Jehu went after abortion voraciously, and so did Donald Trump, and so did Donald Trump. You know, what I learned from him, I used to use the word abortion quite a bit. I mean, it's just part of our lexicon uh, in our culture, but then when he, and you and I chatted about this before, when he, during the debates, just basically called her out for baby killing. You espouse right. baby killing. What was the quote directly? Do you remember?
0: Yep, that's right. Yeah, during the debates, uh, Donald Trump went after Hillary Clinton for defending uh, abortion through point of birth. And he basically said, you know, she supports abortion up until the point of birth. Where are you, and then he said, where are you rip a baby out in the third hey. trimester. I'm not okay with that, that's wrong. And so that was what he said, rip a baby out.
1: And when I heard those words, I went, that's exactly what's, it's like the emperor's clothes were taken off the, you know, or or presented, the emperor has no clothes. The cloak was taken away, the blinders. And I went, you know what? I am now gonna call it what it is. We are killing babies, we're killing babies. And if someone wants to judge me, well, ah, you can't use that as a litmus test. Oh, really? Okay. If you, as a politician, don't have enough sense to protect the most innocent among us, how can I trust you in any area of state? That's Your right. moral compass is off because you can't right. even protect a baby. But you'd probably have more outrage for a basket of puppies in the middle of the freeway.
0: That's now,
1: right. I'm, a, I'm a dog lover. I have three of them. I love dogs.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I
1: do. And I would be outraged of a, regarding a basket of puppies, but not That's over right. a basket of babies. That's right. Yeah. And we have sixty million plus gone. That's and so right. this is why I love your work. I love your platform, and I will do whatever I can to uh, to support you, friend. And I and I thank you so much for all that you've done for the uh, for the unborn and, and for the church.
0: That's right. Thank you, brother. Well, let's let's finish with this. I. Uh... I was thinking about um, the, the, the wrong interpretation that Christians give to Christmas, right? That it's this meek story, it's this gentle story, it's this peaceful story. Look how Christ entered history, Barrington. I mean, come on, he came in as a baby, so gentle, so quiet, so peaceful. He could have came in as the warring conqueror and king, and he will one day. Um, he could have just crushed the Romans, But look at how he came in. And then look at the Beatitudes, you know, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. And you know, Barrington and Seth, you're just so bombastic and you're so divisive. And why are you creating division in the church? Let's all celebrate Christmas together. And it's like, wow, what a misinterpretation of the Christmas story. Christ enters history and his entrance spurs the murder of babies because of how much politicians want to kill him to maintain their political power. His parents have to flee to Egypt. story. Yeah, that's a violent story to to, to protect hmm. him from the bloodshed that was going to hit Bethlehem. I mean, this is not a peaceful, meek story, um, and and you know, special op uh, special op missions usually aren't. To quote you, and no, so uh, I'll not. finish. I'll finish with this. I I, uh, I listened to uh, this clip from Jordan Peterson recently, and then I went and did my own research on it because I know he's not born again, and so I'm not going to take his theological you, you. Or, her- or hermeneutical uh, interpretations at face value. So I did That's, my own you're as well. Very,
1: you're being very kind using hermeneutics because yes. <laughs> conclusions right. are off.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, but he he was speaking about the passage in the Beatitudes in Matthew about um, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. And I wanted to wrap up with this because, because of, of how woke, um, peaceful, abdicate-their-duty type of Christians interpret Christmas as this peaceful meek holiday. And, and we should resemble that same type of peaceful humility and meekness and obey the governing authorities and just be obedient because they've been put in place by Christ. And so, you know, just follow your way into despotism. So, but, but Peterson had this amazing line. He said, you know what, when you look at the original language of meek, and I went and confirmed this as well, meek didn't mean gentle, peaceful, weak, uh, obedient, compliant. No, that's not what meek meant. Meek meant those who have swords and know how to use them but keep them sheathed Uh so Uh so blessed Uh are those who have swords and know how to use them but keep them sheathed for they will inherit the earth it's the The it's the recognition of 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 wielding power but withholding it and jordan peterson had this great line he said you should be a monster and then you should learn how to control it. And that was sort of the, the application he was giving to that <laughs> verse. Again, he's not—he's not a Christian. But to I, I love that. that.
1: Is, is, yeah, it's interesting. I love this. I love this because uh, I imagine meekness as a NFL linebacker in the middle of practice just laying somebody out, and then the whistle blows. The play is over, and that linebacker's daughter shows up, and she's four years old. Hi, daddy. And he runs to her and goes, hey, baby, that's meekness. That's right. Because he that's just right. finished laying out a guy who's right. like 250 pounds. But that's he sees right. his daughter, that power is restrained and properly that's applied. Right. And and that is meekness has nothing to do with weakness, that's but right. everything to do with power appropriately applied and restrained when, right. in, when it's not needed.
0: That's right. And then and then and then and then. And then unsheathed when it's needed, right? And that that reminds me of of Teddy Roosevelt, right? Speak softly and carry a big stick. Carry a big stick. Right, yeah. Don't be a jerk, right? Don't go around just laying into people, but hey, I got Mm -hmm. this thing right here on my hip and I'm not afraid to use it. And so, um, so that, that blessed me when I studied that, that sort of original language of meek, and that's certainly who Christ is. Um, that's mm-hmm. certainly how he lived yes. when he could have just called all of heaven's heaven dangers <laughs> before okay. he was crucified, but he doesn't.
1: Here's another illustration, we've got John 2. Here's Jesus at the temple, at the temple, and he sees the money changers. Hmm. Now, he he, he didn't show up weak in that moment. People forget he did this. I mean, I could just see him because he fashioned a whip. He whipped people. He fashioned a whip. And some of those people, recognized him and said, hey, hey, Jesus. Hey, Jesus, what? I'll be right (laughs) over there in a minute. (laughs) And he turned money tables over, whipped people. My house should be called a house of prayer. And that was meekness unleashed and that was the authority unleashed and then they went into a discussion about you know who gives you the authority to do this well watch destroy this temple referring to his body i he said first pronoun first person i will raise it up in three days and of course they went on into a discussion thinking he was talking about the actual physical structure there are only 9 okay. elements of the fruit of the spirit: love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Somehow, some way, two other elements showed up in the body of Christ. And it's nice and like. Nice and like. <laughs> nice and like are not elements of the fruit of the spirit. That's right. When Jesus was turning over money tables, he was neither nice nor was he liked. That's right. Nice and like sometimes we cannot when we stand for the truth they will not like us that's right church dear listeners of this show and dear watchers on youtube we are not here to pursue nice and like as it pertains to the truth because when you declare the truth sometimes you will not be liked and no matter how you deliver the truth people will think well that's not nice how would, an, how would an oncologist be perceived if he never told his patient, Ugh, we're dealing with cancer? That's right. Well, you don't, you don't like me. And that's not nice telling me that. But I, I got to tell you the truth. I, right. I, I have to tell you the truth. So and we have friends,
0: spiritual cancer today. That's right. We do. And we nice and
1: like cancer. are not elements of the fruit of the spirit. Those. Right. they are nine elements, one fruit, nine elements. And nice and like, don't, don't pursue that. That's don't right. pursue that because that's, the fear of man brings a snare, which is the impeding of forward movement. You don't mm. move forward fearing man.
0: That's right. We we want a safe and comfortable Jesus. But to quote mm. Mr. Beaver, um, of course he's not safe, but he is good. Um, and mm. that, that goodness took on human flesh at the moment of conception. Um, and that means that we have duties and responsibilities today to be about our mm-hmm. Father's business. Pastor Barrington, thanks for joining us today, brother. That was incredible. Glad to be with you.
1: Glad to be you. Love love you deeply, and may the joy of the Lord continue to be your strength, because it takes the joy to move these foul boulders that are in our culture right now. So uh, I love laughing with you, brother, and I love serving the king alongside of you, friend.
0: Thank you, Barrington. We'll do this again, and we'll see you in Tennessee soon. Amen. Amen. Uh, Thank you guys for joining the show today. I hope that blessed and encouraged you. Send this to some of your progressive, wokey, woke face Christians um, who claim the name of Christ and who claim to celebrate the meaning of Christmas, um, but will simultaneously be almost quite literally stabbing the prenatal Christ into the back of the head through a late-term abortion by targeting babies who are in that same location created in the image of that prenatal Christ through their political support for the party of death. Uh, did I put that clearly enough? Share that episode with some of those friends now, um, and uh, we pray that this gets a uh, wide dissemination at such a Kairos moment for the church and for the country um, as we celebrate the most significant event in human history. Not the birth of Christ per se, but the entrance of Christ into human history at the moment of conception. Could Christmas get any more pro-life? To follow me online, uh, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube. If you want to watch this show, since most of you listen to it audibly, go ahead and share the show as well. Uh, If you want to support this show, go to patreon.com forward slash unaborted, patreon forward slash unaborted to become a patron of the show. We appreciate your support. Merry Christmas. Happy Advent. Happy Holy Days. Um, And may we be about our father's business this season as well. Until next week, I'm Seth Gruber, and this is unaborted.